Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another episode of the Weeper State Weekly Women's Hoop Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have returning to our panel, Brooke Minnick. Brooke, uh, no women's hoops this last week. The Wildcats were on the road, so what'd you do with yourself? Um, a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best thing to do, just hang out. You don't got to worry about nothing. Just like, hey, listen, it's winter time. I don't want to go outside. I heard it's cold in Ogden these days. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about today's show. So we'll have a player interview for you folks. Uh, we're going to be chatting with senior forward Darren Hickok. Talk a little bit about Munka and kind of what's been going on with her and the team this season. Uh, as her, our first player interview of the year, we'll also do some game recap we'll talk a little bit about the game against north dakota in grand forks last weekend uh then we'll do a preview of the two it's sort of a it's a little weird because we will talk about the game coming up on saturday which is against utah tech uh in the purple palace then we'll look for to tuesday's game which will kind of adjust our schedule a little bit normally we'll do this show on tuesday nights but because the team is playing on tuesday night we'll push the show to wednesday so that everybody can get to the purple palace and root for the wildcats as they take on number 13 utah so we'll preview both of those opponents today and uh, give you an idea of who's coming to the palace and uh, what you might expect but before we get into all that, encourage everyone, please subscribe to the show, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Those are all good places to find us. Then you can also um, you can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hey, man, talk to us. You want to tweet us? We'll respond. You want to message us on, on IG? We'll respond. I promise. I'm the guy that runs those accounts. So you have my <laughs> word. I'm the admin. I will respond to you. But we really appreciate the folks that have, have taken that step and followed us, given us their uh, given us their likes. And so thank you to you folks. Um, really appreciate you and all the interaction that we get on game days and beyond. We're also on Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Become a patron. Support what we're trying to do. We have some things planned, I think, for the semester after this one. We'll see how it works out. But we might be expanding our team a little bit, bringing on some interns. So appreciate our patrons for helping us out and uh, hopefully expand our coverage of Weber State as we move into the spring semester. So that's it. That's our intro. So now I want to welcome senior forward uh, Darren Munka-Hickok back to Weber State Weekly. Monka, thanks so much for taking some time. I know you folks are busy. Student athletes always busy. So thank you so much for taking it. No, thank you for having me. I love your show. So Hey, thanks so much. And uh, we, you know, we got started off a little bit late this year because we didn't start the hoop show right as the season started. You know, we're trying to wrap up football and volleyball at the same time. So four shows a week wasn't conducive to my family schedule. Here we are. We're talking women's hoops. We're here. <laughs> So, Monk, I wanted to start out by asking you, I mean, we haven't chatted with you since the since last season, and obviously a lot has, has happened since then. So, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that offseason. Um, I know you've done a lot of work in the gym, uh, working on your shot, working on a, a number of things. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that, kind of what did you work on over the summer? What do you feel like you've gained a little bit more confidence in, some aspect of your game after going through the offseason and now ready for your senior season at Weaver State? So I would probably say the main thing I worked on was my shot. I kind of had to uh, hit the ground running as far as preseason and uh, postseason went for me because the way people were guarding me last year was crazy. And it was really hard for like uh, other people on my team to play too, just because I wouldn't shoot like the three. For example, I didn't mm -hmm. attempt one three-pointer last year. And I started shooting my mid-range as the season went on. But prior to that, I hadn't shot the ball very much. So that was kind of my main focus was to get my technique and my form consistent. 
And so I worked a lot with Coach Kamiko and um, and my coaches just on getting my shot right and just reps and reps and reps. And then I also worked on counters because I knew people were going to, you know, help across on me and just kind of still being able to score in addition to people trying to stop what I do best. So, yeah, and I mean, we've seen that already this season. We'll talk about it in the North Dakota segment. But uh, yeah, teams are have definitely keyed in on that. Like you're a dangerous player. You're somebody who can score on them. And so they're going to commit other players on defense to you and try and stop what you do. So it makes sense that you're like, hey, I got to reinvent some things. And I think that people don't realize that, that like when you have success, coaches know that. And so they try to take away that success uh, defensively. So you have to continue to develop your game. So really admirable. Mm-hmm. Brooke, any questions for um, for Monka tonight? On so yeah, um, speaking of com- Coach V editor this year, um, what kind of impact has she brought to the table? Um, so she's actually been like a huge energy shift for us um, because she's been where you know a lot of us want to go, you know. She played at, you know, Power 5 school, played for Pat Summit, um, and then hey, went man. to the WNBA. So I'm right here in Tennessee, we know all about Pat Summit, man. Legend. Mm-hmm. So she's she's really been through it. And so just kind of having her here and her wisdom has given us all a different perspective. And I know for me personally, it's made me, it's shifted me into a different gear. And I thought I was working hard you know, in the past years I've been here, but I really think I've taken it to another level because I realized I could. Mm. So, and I was a lot of like what I've learned this year is from her and just from her experience and her trying to give me knowledge based on what she's experienced, which is super dope that she can do that. Yeah. When they announced that hire, I, I got to say, I was really excited because like you said, Monka, like she had, she had done it. She had played for a national championship winning caliber program for Pat Summit at the university of Tennessee, which folks, if you don't know, so obviously the men's team at, at in Knoxville has been good in recent years. But if you go to the university of Tennessee at Knoxville, um, that court is named after Pat Summit. It's called the Summit, and uh, they got the Natties. So, <laughs> like when I saw that Coach Williams had had played for Pat Summit, it's like, man, that's great. And then, like you said, Monka, beyond that, she had played in the in the W. Like she knew exactly what it takes to play at the next level. And so it was like, wow, what a get for Coach V and her coaching staff to bring in somebody like Coach Williams to come in and, and coach these these young women up. What a get! So really excited to have her on on the bench. Yes. Um. Monk, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, the team because there's a lot of continuity now. Uh, the Wildcats mm-hmm. returned 12 players this year, which was like one of the highest. I mean, 13 is the highest in the country, but 12, there are a number of teams. You're, I think the Wildcats are in the top five in the country in players returning to the roster this year. So I feel like that's provided a lot of continuity, giving you all the opportunity to just continue where you left off winning in the first round of the conference tournament last year before ultimately falling to a tough Montana state team who ended up winning the conference championship. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that continuity about returning 12. And I, I mean, how big has that been for you guys? Do you feel like there's been like a head start where you can just get straight back to business and where you left off because it's not learning each other's game as much this year. Like talk to us about how that's been, because obviously Players, players from last year are getting a little bit more playing time this year. You know, play, maybe players that rode the bench. But overall, it feels like everybody knows each other well so far and that you guys have gotten a little bit of a head start on 
where you might have been last year at this point? So I would definitely say the um, the chemistry and the continuity of the team is lovely. And it's so much fun to be on a team like that because we, you know, we all know each other. We all love each other. And that's just relationships that we've built, um, you know, over the past year. One thing that is a little different, though, is, like you said, um, a lot of them did not get as much playing time last year as they did as they do this year because we had Corey and Aloma. And so just kind of learning to play with other people has definitely been an adjustment just because, you know, watching someone do reps and stuff in practice is very different than having to be on the court with them. And so kind of just learning to play off of each other was definitely an adjustment, but we're working our way in the right direction. Absolutely. I would definitely say that. Um, and so that was probably the only challenge we've really had. Cause other than that, you know, having 12 returners is amazing because there's a lot less, you have to learn as far as like, <coughs> I'm sorry, as far as like um, the basketball aspects of things go. And so, yeah. <coughs> yeah, I mean, gracious. yeah, I mean, it is a good point. Like, cause like you said, uh, Corey and Aloma, you know, the seniors, um, they're, they're the ones kind of, you know, taking up those minutes in the backcourt and doing a, a really good job. I mean, Loma had a, she had such a game in, in the tournament, man. Like, didn't she go off? Wasn't that great to see her like just absolutely go off? Amazing. I've never seen her play like that. It was so cool to see. Yeah. Her. It was like easily her best game. Right. And, and Corey, you know, so, so big, I think even in the next game, I think it was the Montana state game that first half, like she had some huge shots, but now mm-hmm. with them leaving, uh, there are opportunities for some of the, some of the underclass women to, you know, get the start or get more minutes. And so we love to see yes. that. Yes, absolutely. And it's also cool to see them try and rise to the occasion because, you know, it's a those are big shoes to fill. They, Corey and Aloma probably pay, played a minimum of at least 32 minutes a game, you know? Yeah, so those are big shoes that people have to step up and fill, and it's cool to see people step up. Yeah. Brooke, another question for Darren Hickok here tonight. We were named to the all-conference preseason team this year. Um Talk about a little bit about with that. Um, it was, I mean, it was really cool because, um, of course, you know, I've never had an award like that, especially while being in college. Um, but for me, it was kind of just like a, like a first step, you know, because I got that award based off of who I was last year and the type of player I was last year. I think I am way different this year than I am last year. I shoot the ball, you know, I just, I do, I have a different energy to me and, you know, it's great that I got that award, but I'm more excited for people to see who I am now. That's awesome. Yeah. And and so Darren, you know, going with that, I mean, obviously, like you said, you you got that base that's preseason, no games played. Everybody just said, who's the best players returning to the conference this year. You were one of those six players. Um, but like you said, that's based on the body of work that you had produced up to that point last season. Now, a different game, different things that you worked on. I mean, what does it mean for the coaching staff? Because obviously for you as an individual, it's it's a nice award. For the coaching staff, I feel like it's also a nice award because it just kind of shows that they've continued to help and work with you advance mm-hmm. in your career at Weber State. Does it mean anything to the coaches, those preseason awards, or is it really like, ah, Whatever. It's like, we're looking forward to playing some games because like I said, it's all just based on last year. I know um, Coach V was really excited for me. Oh, good. And she told me to take in the moment and to really appreciate it. 
Um, and then I know Coach uh, Kamiko, she said that, you know, it's cool to get that award, but I want to make sure I get it in the postseason as well. So there you go. that was kind of her point of view. Yeah, championship mentality right there, right? Like, it's nice to get it now. Yeah. <laughs> but get it later when, when, when all is said and done. Yes. Brooke, you have another question from Monka? Um, you are currently leading the team in scoring at 17.9 17. points. A little bit about how you've been able to continue, continue your success in spite of the team's knowing. Um, I would probably say that uh, it's definitely been an adjustment. Um, and it was a shift because not only with the um, difference in how teams are playing me now because of who I am, but also with playing with new teammates and the different role I've stepped into this year. Um, and so as far as playing against other teams, it took me about a game or two to really get my rhythm. And it always kind of does for some reason, but it's, you know, they can only take away so much when trying to, you know, guard someone. And so now it's about finding those loopholes, finding what they still give you, and then even still making an effort to get what you normally want, you know? So that's kind of been like what I've been focusing on is how, like, yes, they're doing this to me, but how can I still get what I want and do what I need to do for my team? Yeah, I think that we've seen that so far, Monka, where it's like uh, they're going to try and take away your spots uh, already in the out-of-conference schedule. Like I said, we'll talk about this with, against North Dakota. Uh, every time that you get the ball, they would double you. They would want to get you off of your spots so you're not used to shooting from that particular spot because you want to get somewhere where you've practiced. You know, you're, you're used to making that, that shot. Um, but at the same time, it is about creating as well, right? Where it's like, I'm a player. I'm not a robot. So I'm not on my spot what else can i do to make them pay because they think that they they are taking something away but in taking something away they're also giving something up what is that yeah. something and what can i take advantage because you can only do so much on defense mm -hmm. uh, i wanted to ask finally about i mean the off out of conference schedule is getting it's coming to a close uh, you guys are wrapping up two tough games here in the in the purple palace in the coming week so taking on utah tech on saturday and then number 13, Utah, comes to the Palace on Tuesday night after that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you prepare for opponents because you're a senior now. Uh, I'm sure that you've gone through a progression of, of learning and growth throughout your career. Two tough tests coming now, and you know that. So how do you? How has your preparation changed over your career? And you know, kind of where have you arrived now where you're like, these are some of the things that I do now that maybe I didn't do before? And this is how I prepare mentally for a tough challenge that I know is coming my way. Um, I watch a lot of film. Um, and so kind of within that film, I see how, like, what are their strengths? And this is one thing that Coach Turner talks about a lot, one of our coaches. He says, what are their strengths and how can we neutralize it? Mm. How can we keep them from doing what it is that they want to do? And in contrast to that, what are their weaknesses and how can we exploit it? And so when it comes to me personally, one thing I'm known for is scoring. And so I see how they play defense, how they play ball screens, um, where their help rotates from. Because one thing that I've had to get better at is passing. Because a lot of people rotate over, so I have to see who rotated over to help and mm -hmm. 
where my person is going to be open at and just kind of always making the right read. So I would probably say the main way I prepare for games is watching film and then also um, getting shots up with my coaches just because I got to make shots. I have to. Yeah, and it makes sense because, like you said, um, you're gonna you're gonna find out these are the little wrinkles that you know that that exist within their system. Um, so, like you said, you spend the time, and as you go through your career, you learn certain things, and so it's like, oh yeah, this is like that. Oh yeah, this is like this thing, this time here, and you know you build on that that database of knowledge that you've you know you've developed over years of watching film. So, do you feel like it's easier now to? that you're able to process the game faster than maybe you did a couple of years ago because you've built up that that base of knowledge about the game? Oh, absolutely. There were so many things that didn't make sense to me. And I was just like, there's so much thought that's put into the game. And so it was hard for me to like, essentially like for it to feel natural, for it to not feel so forced and everything be so, you know, like so thoughtful and so like, you know, to to such like a high extent mm. and so once I finally learned it and I adjusted now it's just second nature you know it's like oh they're gonna ice a ball screen so I can either shoot the pull up in the middle or I can look for my big on the roll and so it's just kind of you know certain things that used to be such like so hard for me to process I now it just it's second it's second nature yeah and it's more reaction based Dan Hubler here in the chat says, our team is so fortunate to have such experienced leadership in Monka. Uh -huh. So fans love you. <laughs> but uh, Brooke Minnick, I'll give you one, one more opportunity. Any, any final questions for Monka before we let her go tonight? Um, not that I can think of. Just thanks for being on here again. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Monk, I want to thank you again so much for taking the time, like we said, to chat with us here at Weber State Weekly. Uh, we know you folks are busy. It's getting to the end of the semester here, and you're obviously in the midst of trying to play basketball and wrap that up. So a little bit of time with us is, uh, is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Wish you the best of luck in the Palace this Saturday, and I will see you on Tuesday night next week against Utah. Best of luck in your preparation. All right, sounds good. Thank you, guys. We'll see you. Thank you. Want to wish Monka the best again, and I thank her for taking the time to chat with us here, um, Brooke. I I really I, I like the like you said. I mean, Dan said it in the comments. Just the leadership that Monka has showed because, I mean, so far from what I've seen this season, watching a few a handful of games, you know, being trying to divide my time between. Uh, the, the, November is a crazy time for sports, and so you know you're ending football and volleyball. You're trying to watch hoops, and sometimes you're playing out of conference you're not able to watch the game because it's on some weird network or you got to pay for like weird stuff anyway. Uh, so just trying to catch the games I have, it really feels like teams are keying in on her this season. They know that she's a threat and so they're doing everything they can to make her life hard. And in spite of that, she still continues to produce, which I think is just incredible. That's 17.9 points a game. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of buckets, right? It's a ton of buckets. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's turn our attention now to uh, to the North Dakota game because uh, we talked about it last week about how this is a team that likes to play defense. And guess what? They play defense. <laughs> no surprise there. They did what we said they would do, which is play defense. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about how, how things went. And so first off, um, like I was talking before we started the show, um, 
this game was really interesting because there was a lot of fouls, like a lot. I feel like the refs were really, really tight with the whistle in this one, where there were so many times, like I think there were nine fouls. The Wildcats had nine fouls in the first quarter alone, which, I mean, just really messes up what they want to do because you got all these people in foul trouble. But, but Brooke, I, I kind of want to do... I kind of want to get your your thoughts on this. You know, what do you do? Like in this case, the Wildcats are in foul trouble, especially those playing in the front court. So the forwards, you know, quite a few of them. Vicky Parra had two really quickly. Um, I'm trying to think about who else had two, but just the front court was really, um, oh, uh, um, they, they just had a hard time. And so because of that, they had to kind of like play a little bit softer, you know, because they're playing with two fouls and it's the first quarter. And so I don't know, man, like, the, the Wildcats are known for their defense. And when you're not able to play your more aggressive brand of defense, how do you, how do you um, retool around that when you're in foul trouble? Um, because it seems really, really difficult when it's like, I'm used to having a little bit of leeway. And in this one, I was given no leeway. So you're playing a little bit softer. How do you balance those two out? Because now, you know, the, it's not the other team that's taken something away from you. It's the refs that have taken something away from you. Mm-hmm. I don't know because didn't we talk about how we were hoping to use their um, North Dakota fouls a lot? Weren't we hoping to kind of turn that on them? Or yeah, that last week. Yeah, we did, and uh, and I would say that you know they they did have a. Um, I mean, they had their fouls, right? Like they ended up with 22 fouls of their own. The Wildcats ended up with 25, which on, on, you know, you look at it and go, well, that's almost even Colby. It's like, yeah, but I just feel like their fouls, they added up later, I guess is what I want to say. Yeah. Like they, they, yeah. There was a lot of stuff that happened late, later in the fourth quarter where it didn't matter as much. And so it felt like they, they weren't necessarily able to, take advantage the way that we had hoped where it was like, they're going to be aggressive. They're going to play defense. So use that against them because there was a point in the game where North Dakota presses. And I think it was in like in the second quarter and the second quarter was really kind of a drought for the Wildcats offensively. And I think that's, that's what we'll talk about in a second. That's where they really dug the hole that they just weren't quite able to get out of, but they, they go press and there were certain plays where, you know, the, the whole point of them going press is to cause turnovers, knowing that the Wildcats they're a team that turns the ball over, you know? And so they're trying to cause more of that. And I just felt like they were getting away with so much contact in the backcourt that was not allowed on the other side of the ball. The Wildcats were getting these fouls, you know, just really soft stuff that I'm like, really? Or I don't, I don't know, man, there was just so many things like that. And so it just didn't feel like it went the way that we had hoped that they would use that aggressiveness against them and get their, get their free throws. Because, I mean, they shot a lot of free throws in that first half. And if you look at the numbers, it's like, well, they only shot 10 more free throws than the Wildcats, Colby. They were 15 of 26 from the three, from the free throw line. The Wildcats were 15 of 17. So on par, they made the same number of points from the free throw line, but they also got nine more opportunities to shoot that ball. And you can say, well, the Wildcats are more aggressive. I don't necessarily believe that. I just don't think that they were more aggressive than North Dakota was. Like, I'm not buying that. There were definitely, I think, some mental mistakes. But I don't know. Like, when, when the refs are putting the other team on the line so much, do you just play softer? Like, how do you how do you get yourself out of that? It's tough. I, I guess you kind of have to play out of your game, which it looks like that's exactly what happened to 
Weber. It just was just completely, I guess maybe took the air out of Weber. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. That like those fouls, especially so many in the first quarter, really had an impact on the way the rest of the game got played. And so, like I said, late in that first quarter and into the second quarter, there was this long scoring drought that went on for like five and a half, maybe six minutes, I think. And uh, it was just tough because, you know, they ended the first quarter with just six points. So that's difficult, right? You've only scored six points in the first quarter. North Dakota has put up 17. I swear 10 of those points came from the free throw line. Like, I swear. (laughs) So it's like, okay, you get gifted 10. But then the Wildcats only put up 13 in the second quarter while North Dakota continues their run. They put up 21. You know, the middle of this game was really where the Wildcats dug that hole and they just were never able to get back out of it. Um, So what do you think could give them... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it just seems like we keep getting that we either come out of it later or we don't. And it just kind of sets the game if you know i wish they could get get away from these cold spells i don't know how how to do that but to make or break these games is that little chunk of time no no matter where it is if it's first half somewhere it it completely changes the game for better or worse i guess yeah so during football season this year we talked about how the wildcats would come out hot you know they would score a couple of touchdowns in the first in the first quarter um and then they would kind of go cold in the second and third and then they would come alive again in the fourth feels like maybe the wildcats have maybe maybe the 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 women's hoops team maybe a little bit similar where they you know in this case they had a little bit of a slow start uh in the first and second quarters but the third is the second half is where it really felt like they they really kind of picked things up and they figured it out, but they just weren't able to put up enough points. You know, they were still outscored in every quarter, but the fourth they, and they only outscored them by one point. So you're losing points every single quarter, just digging a hole, digging a hole. And I think that that was the difference in the game was that North Dakota was able to keep up with the Wildcats scoring in the third quarter to keep themselves in the game. Because if they hadn't, if you know, once again, if they hadn't didn't have to play him so soft on defense or whatever, or um, yeah, I will say that North Dakota was fairly energetic on the offensive side of the ball. Like they they moved a lot. They did a, a pretty decent job with offensive rebounds. So the Wildcats, you know, they did a good job themselves. They had 14 rebounds in this game, which is a, a really nice number. 41 total for them. Uh, on the other side, though, North Dakota had 12 of their. And so that's a lot of second oppor- second chance opportunities to continue. And I just think that if the Wildcats have been able to take a few more of those away and not give them the chance to to get another opportunity to score, that, that scoring slows down a bit in the third and they chip away at that lead that had been built up at the half so that when you go into the fourth quarter, you know, maybe you're within 12, maybe you're within 10. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. uh, but the third, it just didn't work out that way. And the Wildcats got outscored again, 22 to 18. So it's closer. That was, you know, the closest mm-hmm. quarter to that point, but you're still losing four points. And so at that point, it was just a, just a deep, deep hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next question I want to ask you, Brooke, was, I mean, well, we talked a little bit about the press and about how, 
about how they committed so many players forward and you know they got away with some contact there but tell me what you think about this because it's like if they're going to commit that many players forward they're committing two three players only five on the court and you've got maybe two three players in the backcourt yourself how do you make them pay for committing that many forward because it feels like you want to throw the ball down the court but obviously then they can intercept the ball you know then it becomes another turnover so how do you balance that you know what I mean? Where it's like they want to they want to press early in the clock and and make that commitment. How do you make pay for it? Well, North Dakota definitely did their homework on that because yeah. um, in a lot of the games I've watched, they haven't had too many turnovers on the full court press, but they get close to you know the ten seconds. I think Weber has. You know, plays for it. They just gotta find an open person, and they after they finally get the ball in, they struggle to find that next open person. Their head up and find that person. Whether it's you know, don't want to go cross court, but I think it starts with how low they throw the ball in. They just they just can't look up. And I've also noticed that they won't it, get across half. They don't always do that. I know you don't want your bigger players. Sometimes the bigger player needs to take it across. No, I mean, you, you see that in the NBA, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. if they want to commit a guy, what will happen is, you know, big, big, big guy will inbound the ball to a guard and then they'll just sort of run slowly and like just kind of be in the way. It's like it's not a screen, but they're just kind of like, oh, I'm just running here, you know, and I'm just happen to be running at the same pace as this guy, making his life kind of hard. You know, that happens a lot. And I don't know if, you, if you're just not allowed to do that in college or whatever, but you see it a lot in the NBA. But um, I, one thing I noticed is that when they wanted to, they wanted to get the press, they would immediately commit to and they would double whoever had the ball. And so I wondered if it was like. I wonder if it's maybe something that you work on the handle where it's like you're going to take the contact because that's another way I thought that you could make them pay was that like, okay, they obviously they want to get you in trouble. And so if you try and dribble through it and get them to like trip you up or something like that, because it's one thing to get slapped on the wrist and maybe that doesn't get called, you know, but they do get the steal. But if they trip you as you try and dribble through some of those things, I yeah. mean, I feel like you're more likely to get a, get a foul. And then you sort of re- talk about what we just talked about, or you get what we just talked about, where it's like you're making their aggressiveness work against them, where it's like you're going to commit this many people forward getting foul trouble, or we're going to burn you by quick passes up the court to then, you know, you only have two and we have three. So if they share the ball properly, and, and get some backdoor cuts like you can make them pay. And then eventually they stop doing the press because they keep getting burned by it, you know? Yeah. A couple of exactly. ways that I was thinking about that you could deal with it. But Colby Peterson is a uh, a non-basketball coach, so he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't too. know. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like we mentioned with, with Mo- the stands. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? It's like, hey, as a guy sitting in the stands, like, they should do this. Like, oh, yeah, armchair quarterback. <laughs> But anyway, um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, also, like we said, again, against Munka, they doubled her nearly every time. And so it feels like in, in that if they're going to double her, 
somebody else is open on the floor. And so how do you think that she ups her game to, obviously she said she worked on her shooting and, you know, has become more of a threat further away from the basket. But how do you think she continues to like grow her game as a facilitator where now teams are going to double her? Cause I think we're seeing this with Dylan Jones a lot where on the men's team, uh, Teams know that Dylan is the DJ's good, that he can score, that he can rebound, that he steals the ball. And he also is a really good assister. And so I wondered if, you know, Munka can take a page from DJ's book and say, okay, um, they're going to commit two and try and trap me. If I can get some off ball movement and find an out to make them pay for that, um, she can rack up the assists. And eventually, like I said, they will have to move away from that because if, if somebody else keeps burning them because they keep committing two, eventually that's gonna they're gonna they're gonna go back to you know one on one, and that's exactly what Munko wants, right? <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Yep. <laughs> and so, like, do, but do you think that at this point where Munka is a senior, um, and it's you know we're almost into conference play, is it something that you just start doing, or is it like at this point if you're not doing it now, it's not necessarily something you add to the game? because the potential for even adding even more turnovers goes up. Mm. I mean, if she keeps make, you know, getting 17.9 per per game, I mean, <laughs> take the gamble. Taking it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if, if they, you know, run the right plays and somebody gets open for maybe, be more in her sightline, I guess. Maybe, hopefully, she'll she'll see right now. Take it, yeah, <laughs> keep it, right. and go drive in. Or I guess it just depends on if her teammates are helping her out and getting open, so she can see them. Yeah, I mean, don't totally take like- that. Don't go. You know, don't completely change your this. Um, but I. If they help her out, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's the way, right? Because if if there's that off-ball movement, if there's a little bit of help to mitigate some of that doubling, oh man, like it could just really open things up. Because it really feels like teams are committed to the paint against the Wildcats because they haven't shot the ball well from three. Uh, Like in this game, you know, they shot 25% from three. They were five of 20. Uh, they were over four in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, then things picked up, but that that fourth quarter, they ended up, you know, go, resorting to a lot of threes that just didn't go down, and they were one for seven, so fourteen percent in that quarter. Mm-hmm. So five of twenty overall, uh, rough shooting night. And so I just wonder, like we talked about it last week, or if if that shooting could improve, it would provide a little bit more space because they have to. But until that happens, um, they're just going to hunker down. I noticed there was a lot of three-two zone in in the. In, in the key by North Dakota, daring somebody to try and move inside. Um, and it, it really made things yeah. tough. Really did. So final thoughts on North Dakota before we move on to previews? No. <laughs> nope. Fair enough. Uh, Wildcats, like we said, end up falling on the road. 76 to 54 to the Fighting Hawks. Um, so uh, they beat them last year, but this year not as lucky. So they will move on now and take on the final homestand of the out-of-conference schedule. And so that homestand will include, like we said at the top, Utah Tech, the former Dixie State from St. George, and number 13, 
the University of Utah, uh, which is the highest ranking. My understanding is the highest ranking that that program has ever achieved. So let's start with Utah Tech. Um, so Brooke, some research that I did on Tech, uh, they rank number one in the WAC in scoring, field goal percentage, and three-point field goal percentage. And they're also third in rebounding. Now, the Wildcats have that good defense, though, right? They've been able to slow down high-powered offenses um, and kind of you know try and gum up the works a little bit. And so I, I, Dixie State, I mean, Utah Tech is, is rolling into town with a high-powered offense. That's a thing that they're going to do. How do you keep the Trailblazers from breaking out? Because it feels like there will be defensive effort to maintain them, keep them contained, but they're going to be trying to break out. And how do you, how do you make sure that the Wildcat offense has a chance to keep up? Because it really feels like that's that's been the problem is keeping up in these last few games. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, you know, make the easy shots. There's been too many times that Weber has layups and multiple layups in a row, you know, like three, four, put back up missing layups. (laughs) Yeah, just not going in. Um, Actually, I don't know. One thing that I was thinking about was just, you know, based on what we saw against North Dakota was playing aggressive defense. That's important. You know, making making the trailblazers uncomfortable, but also not too aggressive where you get yourself in foul trouble. Right. Because then you're behind schedule. You throw off your own game by being too aggressive. And so I think it's it's learning from the way that the Dakota game went, learning from some of those mistakes and taking those learnings into Saturday's game against Utah Tech, where now. You know you have a team that relies on their offense. They want to put points up. Be aggressive, but um, be smart. Set your feet. You know those kinds of things. If they're going to, you know, play you in the paint, or uh, just you know try and keep active. Don't I don't know. Just being more cognizant. I think of fouling, but still doing your best to you know use your body to make them uncomfortable and, and not let them get to the spots that they want to shoot. I think that could probably go a long way in disrupting what they like to do which is they're obviously, you know, a talented shooting team. Um, but then def- defensively, you um, take guards from the two and three well, but they don't crash the boards. And that was interesting to me was that for a team that likes to run this high, high powered offense and just really kind of put points on the board. Um, they don't crash the boards as much as I had anticipated. I think it was like, they were like 10th in, in the whack. And I was like, wow, um, really surprised at that. And so, yeah. uh, well, sorry. Um, I should say defensive rebounding. I have to go back previously that they were third in rebounding overall, but they don't necessarily crash the boards the way that I would have thought them to. And so um, we haven't had, we haven't seen Emma Torbert in a little bit because of injury, which is, I think, a huge loss for this Wildcats team just because her ability to rebound has, has been good, plus her scoring ability. And so we've seen opportunity for players to get more minutes and grow. How critical do you see it as for this one to take away box out and take away those extra opportunities from tech because they do rebound. Um, but it's not necessarily like the, the most key part. It seems like they just shoot really high percentages as well. How do you make sure to take away as many of those as you can and also offensively have a performance like you did against the fighting Hawks 
where you had 12 offensive rebounds and, and punish them for that. How, how, do you, how do you see that playing out? Hmm. They're just going to have to really get in there and fight for the rebounds. Um, I guess, does you make every shot? Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they make a lot of shots, right? They make a lot of shots or, you know, for the Wildcats, yeah. like, hey, knock down more shots. You don't need a rebound. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Um, I don't know. I guess really they'd get a hand in their fault, get as many rebounds. Um, yeah, I don't know. Make yeah, I think for this one, shots don't have cold spells. <laughs> yeah, make the shots, man. You know, like get get that three. I think. It really felt like in the third quarter of the North Dakota game when they really started the the, the offense finally got rolling. They were they were putting up points. Um, it felt like they gained a lot of confidence and energy. the The slow start in the first quarter bled over into the second quarter offensively, where it was just like I don't know. There just wasn't a lot of confidence there to mm-hmm. keep that going. But in the third quarter, where they were shots were falling, it was like okay, it like kind of energized them. And so I feel like. Taking taking care of those fundamentals early in the game can pay dividends later where you feel like things are kind of going your way and you're in this, you know, whereas like if you get out of it early, it's tough to, you know, motivate yourself to say, okay, we're going to, we're going to dig out of this 15 point hole and get back in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And I think where is they seem to start settling for th- just hasn't been their game so far and so did you did you say in the north dakota game they really bad from three especially in the fourth quarter yeah yeah overall um not a great shooting game from three for them and like i said it was, it was a pretty slow start but also the fourth quarter they fell off they were one for seven in that quarter i think they just when they're down then you know time's ticking down they just start th- and uh uh, just hasn't been working, especially this, this year with the team. So I think they need to keep with, you know, mid-range, short shots, sticking to their game, what they do well. Um, and they should be okay. Just don't start panicking. I, it seems like they'll panic if they're not hitting anything. And, you know, I, yeah, I don't remember. No, because I agree with you, right? That like, you know, maybe uh, like the fourth quarter, if you're down, is the exact time to stick with the game plan, which is playing wildcat basketball, which is inside, close to the basket, get the foul, stops the clock. You then get on the free throw line, whether you make it or you don't, you know, so if you you can put yourself in an and one situation, Uh, Jaden Matthews had this great four point play to start. I think it was the fourth quarter. Uh, and so just like stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, I, I think you're right that like jacking up threes late in the game, if you're down is not the answer, continue to play your game inside. Cause I feel like if teams are up big, that's when they'll get nonchalant in some of those plays and they'll get a little bit sloppy. Yeah. And so they will yeah. foul you. They'll put you on the line. You can get free points from the stripe and then you can continue to just punish them until you've chipped away with the clock stopped at their lead and next thing you know you're only down 10 12 and you've got six minutes to play or something like that like then then you're in it yeah. you're in the game and they really have to think about 
how you're playing. And then I think it also puts the Wildcats on offense because then they have to figure out a way to stop it again. And maybe that's bringing in some of the players that they, because I noticed that North Dakota started the fourth quarter with all bench players. And so they let, they rested the starters going into the fourth because they were up like 23 at that point. And so there's an opportunity there to get back in the game because it's like, listen, these players don't play a lot. We're more than happy to leave in, you know, the folks that we can, depending on the foul situation and get back in this. So I think I agree with you that like, don't just start jacking up threes, play your game because the fourth quarter when the chips are down, that's exactly the time when you want to see that kind of game get played. Yes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Utah before we wrap up here. So like we said, number 13, Utah comes to the D uh, an impressive early season resume. They're undefeated eight. No, uh, they've got some, they've got some nice wins. They beat Mississippi. Um, they beat, oh man, I'm trying to remember all the teams that they played, but they have some quality wins uh, thus far in this young season. And so a number 13 team coming to the D. Um, I mean, I don't remember the last time a ranked team came to the D. You know what I mean? And so, like, do you think that plays a role that, like, there's an intimidation factor there that it gets in their heads? Or are they able to just be like, hey, man, it's just another game and it's in in the Purple Palace? How do you see it? Uh, I'm a little worried that it'll be a little scary for them. Um, sure. And that's understandable. And odds have not been very good for Weavers. So it's not like the have much of a edge unfortunately i'm worried there's also going to be a lot more utah fans than weaver so i i think it'll be a a little scary maybe i'm worried about a little bit of a slow start because it's like oh no it's utah um they'll surprise me and they'll come out out, like maybe it'll be actually i'm hoping it'll be motivation for yeah play up mm-hmm. hopefully yeah it'll be motivating for them and they'll come out hot <laughs> yeah because this is one thing that i noticed about early season um rankings is sometimes they're not super firm because a team mm-hmm. performs in such a way and you know because like think about this if utah were not in the pac-12 say they were in the west coast conference and they were eight and oh would anybody care? Like, look at Utah State right now. Utah State is in the Mountain West Conference. They are eight. No, are they ranked? No, they're not. And so I think part of it is the conference that they play in, um, because you know they they have beat some some tough teams. Uh, they, I think they beat Alabama as well, so they beat some SEC opponents, and that helps them. But uh, put them in a mid major. Mm, I don't know. But I like what you're saying, where it's like play up. Use that as motivation. They're coming to your building. And also, you know, for, for us as Wildcat fans, and you're right. Like, they're probably getting a lot of Utes fans in the building. Um, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, it's Tuesday night. I mean, I'm going to be there. Brooke's going to be there. Come hang out with us, man. Like, let's get loud. You know, just you just pay. It's, it's, it's a flat rate. You can sit anywhere you want in the, in the Purple Palace once you pay for your ticket, man. So you want to come sit with us? Hey, man, it doesn't matter where we're sitting. You can come hang out with us. So come on down. But uh, I agree with you. Could be motivating factor. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I'll let you me. Normally, I don't like that. But if you're there to cheer on, 
Weaver. You can sit with me. Yeah, you can sit by Brooke. She's very, she's very selective, folks, about who gets to sit near her. So she's got her spot. And so uh, if you see us, you want to come hang out, come say what's up because we'll be in there. We'll be getting loud. And we'll be close to the court. You can bet we'll be close to the court so the refs know who's what, uh, who's there. And we'll be, we'll, be, uh, we'll be jeering. We'll be jawing with some, uh, some Utah players. Yes. Um, so the thing with Utah is that like Utah Tech, they got enough, they got high powered offense too. They average fifty two point nine percent from two and thirty five percent from three, which thirty five percent is a good number. Um, I mean, but fifty two percent from two that's just oh man, that's just blistering. And so uh, I was I was like, how does this work? And I noticed that the, the secret for them is that they share the ball really really well. Now get this, they average okay, this is average per game assists. 21 assists per game. Wow. Yeah, that's an insane number, right? So tw- <laughs> they share the ball incredibly well. And so expect to see a lot of off-ball movement. And so I, if the Wildcats are going to have a chance in this one, they're going to have to be active defensively because this is a yes. team that really likes the ball and they like to find the old shot. And when they do, they hit them. So... If you're the Wildcats, knowing that they're a team that likes to pass the ball a lot, how do you find yourself in some of those passing lanes to create turnovers? Who would be a better defense for that zone or man? I don't even. Um, it's tough, right? Because um, if you if you if you want if you want to go zone, usually you're trying to take away the paint from a team, right? It's like, okay, if I'm like, like I said with North Dakota, um, they were in a 3-2 set for a good chunk of the game, and because of that, they were daring the Wildcats to move into the paint, and when they did, they would always bring help because of the way that it was set up. Um, in this case, it's tough because they shoot 35% from three, so it's a kind of pick-your-poison situation where it's like, you dare them to shoot, uh, and if they get hot, then you're in trouble, but if they're missing, mm-hmm. then it works, right? So I don't know, man. I think also, like like Monka said earlier in her interview, watching film is probably going to be so important because watching the way that this team likes to share the ball is going to be pretty indicative of what they're going to do. And it's going to help help the team to anticipate some of those passing lanes, get their hands in there and disrupt. Because if they can disrupt the flow, uh, I think that's going to pay, pay huge dividends, especially yeah. if Utah is not able to get going early. They get slowed down a bit and they gum up the works early because the Wildcats are, you know, excited and, and playing with energy. Uh, I think that could be a factor. Yeah. Yeah. I guess even if you're not actually stealing the ball, just get a hand on it and disrupting their play hand in their face. Hope they're missing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, deflections—they they play a role because they're trying to run. They're trying to run a set. Deflection goes out of bounds. Okay, you do enough of that. Yeah. It's just like it just gets annoying, right? It just—it it yeah. doesn't let yeah. them ever get into a rhythm. Yep. Um. So, last note on Utah: their offense is led by junior forward Alyssa Peely. Um, she's averaging 20.9 a game. Now we talked about how Monka, you know, she's leading the Wildcats right now with 17.9, I believe was our number. Uh, let me double check that number. Yes, it is 17.9 a game. So, you know, Alyssa Peely at 20.9 a game. Um, the Weber State front court, like we talked about, has been in foul trouble the past few games. And so with an offensive engine like Alyssa Peely in the front court for the Utes, how do they make sure that that doesn't happen again 
against Utah because if they find themselves in foul trouble early, I think it's going to be a long day. It's going to be really, really tough to deal with her because we know that she's such a presence. And if everybody's in foul trouble, it's like, oh, who's going to guard her? You know what I mean? Yeah. It just becomes really difficult. So how do you manage that? Not fouling too much, but also trying to slow her down because you know she is going to be a target. Hmm. Depends on the refs. They, they <laughs> <laughs> certainly does. Like we talked about, certainly does. I'll, I'll let you know when we see the refs, if I, I think it's going to be a good game. Fortunately. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I recognize a fair. few of them. You're like, Oh no. If it's, if it's the refs we saw like, from the Montana game last year, I'm going to lose it. I will absolutely lose it because that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <sighs> um, I, oof, I don't know what you do with her. I guess anybody, you just get a hand in her face. You box her out. You maybe maybe make her do it all herself. Take away everybody yeah, else. Yeah, do you commit to a team that does like to pass the ball? And um, they... She's not the only offensive engine. She's not the only player on the team that averages double figure scoring. And so it's like mm. you can take that one away by doubling, but then you're going to have to dare somebody else. And are you willing to take that chance? Like, I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. Mm. This is why she's good. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, overall, the Wildcats will have their work cut out for them in the next week. So Saturday against Utah Tech coming to the Purple Palace. And then the following Tuesday against the University of Utah. Um, Going to be a great game. Like we said, Brooke and I will be there on Tuesday night rooting on the, the Wildcats against the University of Utah. You should be there, too. And uh, we'll have a good time. So, Brooke, now we'll look at the upcoming schedule. Like we said, Saturday, December 17th versus Utah Tech. 1 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that one. Um, tickets at WeberStateSports.com or ESPN Plus. Um, tickets are cheap, man. They're like seven bucks. Show up, mm-hmm. hang out with us. Uh, I won't be at that one because I'll be driving to Utah, so won't quite be there yet. But then Tuesday, December twentieth, number thirteen, the University of Utah comes to Ogden, five thirty Mountain, uh, five thirty p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that one. Once again, tickets at WeberStateSports.com or you can watch the game on ESPN Plus. Um, come hang out with us, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be down there. We're going to be loud. And uh, we're going to get in their ear a little bit. So uh, let's be loud. Bring some signs. I'll probably have a sign that I bring. And so uh, I'll, I'll bring one for you too, Brooke. I know how much you okay. love signs. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> then the following week, you're going to get a little holiday break uh, for Christmas. And then Thursday, December 29th, conference play gets started. The Wildcats hit the road to Greeley. They take on Northern Colorado there. 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can get that one on ESPN+. And Saturday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. At Northern Arizona, taking the trip up to Flags and Standard Time, ESPN Plus for that one. And the following week, they get a week off. Next game, January 7th, taking the trip to Pocatello to take on Idaho State. 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time there for that Saturday game. I uh, would encourage, encourage everybody to take the trip up to Pocatello, get loud, and uh, boo the stripes. Because uh, we don't like the stripes, uh, in case you didn't know. If you've never listened to Weaver's Weekly, we don't like the stripes. So get up there. Get your tickets at isu.edu slash tickets so you can watch the game on ESPN Plus if you're being lazy. Um, I will be watching the game on ESPN Plus because I will 
we'll be back here in Tennessee. But I encourage everybody to get up there to Pocatello, be loud, and support the ladies on the road. Then Thursday, January 12th, Montana comes to town to face the Wildcats in the Purple Palace. 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time for that one. Tickets at WeaverStateSports.com or ESPN+. Plus. Rook, we'll wrap the show. Email us, WeaverStateWeekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog. want to thank you so much, Brooke Minnick, for taking some time to chat some women's hoops. Uh, looking forward to the show next week. Looking forward to hanging out with you at the Purple Palace and anybody else who shows up. So we'll wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. Great, great. Go Wildcats. Mm-hmm.